Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bible Class Recap. This is the very first in a series of podcasts that we're going to be doing, talking about the Bible classes that we're covering in our weekly Sunday Bible studies at Trinity Lutheran. My name is Pastor Tom Fricke, and we're happy to have you along. So here's the topic this week, fake Jesus. Would you be able to recognize a fake Jesus if you saw one? Uh, These days it seems as though Jesus is just as popular as ever, and yet Christianity is being pushed to the margins of American society. You would think that if people say that they accept Christ, but at the same time reject all of the teachings, the basic teachings of Christianity, something would be off. Strangely, as more people join the ranks of the nuns as they become more and more de-churched in America, we still see Jesus. We see him everywhere. He's at the heart of political movements. He's an icon for social causes. He's the inspiration for bumper stickers and internet memes. But is this the real Jesus? Or is he just a Jesus of our own making? That's what we're going to be talking about here for today. Jesus himself, you understand, predicted that there would be counterfeit Christ who would come up and masquerade as the Messiah who would claim to be the savior of the world. He said that many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. So we know that before the end comes, there is going to be a lot of deception as to who Jesus really is. Today, if we look around us in our culture, we can identify probably at least a dozen different kinds of false Christs, false conceptions that people have of who Jesus is was, who he is, what he came to do for us. Uh, In an interesting book printed by Concordia Publishing, Matthew Richard wrote, like all the Santa Clauses scattered across our malls during the Christmas season, there are dozens upon dozens of look-alike false Christs scattered across America's churches and in their homes. So let's take a look today at some of the false Christs so that we will not be deceived. In our Bible study on Sunday morning, we had some interesting initial discussion. Uh, We're all tempted, I guess, in a way, to mold Jesus like clay into whatever we want to be. Took a look at one of the Bible passages from Isaiah chapter 64, where the prophet says, Yet you, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. The question was, we're tempted to mold Jesus into whatever we want him to be. What's wrong with that thinking? Uh, The Bible study immediately recognized that, no, this is exactly backwards. God is the potter. We are the clay. And the problem with reversing that process is that people then make their God into whatever they want him to be. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 44, there's an example of uh, the woodsman who goes out into the woods, cuts down a tree, and uh, whittles away at a block of wood until he makes it into something that he calls his God. And the humor and the irony in that section is that he makes this God, he fashions it into what he wants it to be, And then he bows down and worships this block of wood. So uh, we also ask the question, how has your understanding about Jesus changed since your childhood? What has changed and what maybe has remained the same about your understanding of Jesus? Among the answers that we received on Sunday morning is that, well, 
even though my understanding of who Jesus is as the Son of God, as my own Savior and the Savior of the world has not changed, there's a greater depth of understanding. And uh, yet this is the same Jesus that we were taught about and is the Jesus of the scriptures. Well, today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at several different versions of Jesus as what we might call the ultimate progressive. And next week we're going to take a look at Jesus as the ultimate conservative. And these are distortions of the biblical message about who Jesus is. This week, in a more progressive kind of direction, the guru Jesus, the red-letter Jesus, left-wing Jesus, post-church Jesus, and BFF Jesus will explain these as we get to them. Guru Jesus is Jesus as a wise, pleasant religious figure who is a lot like the other religious giants that the world has seen in certain areas like Buddha or Muhammad. Uh, what is the difference between the real Jesus and this guru Jesus? Uh, we took a look at an article written by a man named Daniel Darling, uh, which appeared in Church Leaders that helped to identify these different Jesuses for us. And as we compare the guru Jesus, this person who is just kind of a very pleasant and mild religious figure, uh, we saw the contrast with John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Jesus is basically emphasizing his eternity. He's emphasizing his uniqueness and he's emphasizing his divinity. He is truth, and there is none other. As we take a look at the guru Jesus, he seems to be kind of safe. He doesn't really want to hurt our feelings. Uh, and yet, if you take a look at the evidence in Scripture, that's not anything close to what Jesus was like. Uh, if your right eye causes you to stumble, Jesus said, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So this guru Jesus really does not represent the Jesus of the scriptures. Okay, so what about red-letter Jesus? It's another kind of popular version of who Jesus might be. Uh, red-letter Jesus is the, uh, the one who, who is represented only by what are the sayings of Jesus in the New Testament scriptures, in the Gospels, as if uh, only the parts of Bibles that were printed in red letters, as in some editions of the Bible, the words of Jesus are in red, uh, as if this Jesus was the true Jesus of the scriptures. In other words, there is a contrast between this Jesus and the theology of Paul and a contrast between this Jesus and the the God of the Old Testament, as if one is true and the others are false. But that's not anywhere close to what Jesus said about himself or the scriptures. Uh, he said himself that he uh, was coming to fulfill the scriptures, not to abolish them, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And he also made uh, the point that uh, he is coming to uh, make sure that nothing from the law is ever eliminated. Uh, the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus 
and the words of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Paul said. Neither Paul nor Jesus saw a contradiction between their teaching and that of the Old Testament scriptures. Okay, that's the second kind of Jesus, the red-letter Jesus, in addition to the guru Jesus. The third kind can be described as maybe a left-wing Jesus. This left-wing Jesus has come to establish a kind of a Marxist utopia here on earth. He supports all kinds of liberal social causes and the redistribution of wealth and in the name of establishing some kind of utopia, some kind of wonderful uh, idyllic place of existence here in this world. Um, and in order to enlist this kind of Jesus for their own social causes, what people will do is they'll grab onto certain portions of scripture that that do talk about social justice. A good example of this would be as Luke, as Jesus in the Gospel of Luke uh, comes to his own hometown in Nazareth. There, uh, Jesus stands before uh, the synagogue uh, where he grew up in his hometown and reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. I'll read this portion of scripture where Jesus says, uh, he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's identifying himself with the one the prophet was talking about. But we have to ask the question, what kind of freedom for captives, what kind of good news for the poor, what kind of setting the oppressed free is Jesus talking about? And it's not a political oppression. It's not a political freedom that he's talking about. He's talking about freedom from the oppression of sin, from the slavery of uh, sin. Uh, and the good news is that we have been freed through Christ's suffering and death, through his forgiveness from our own slaveries to sin. And that's the message that Jesus came to proclaim, not some kind of political message of freedom from another kind of captivity. The fourth kind of Jesus that we encountered on Sunday morning in our Bible study is the post-church Jesus. Post-church, uh, referring to the fact that in our world today, in America, uh, we're, we're no longer really a, so much of a Christian nation as we are a post-Christian nation. Uh, Christianity used to define the religious climate of our land, and not so much anymore today. So Jesus, in, as a post-church Jesus, is the Jesus of the nuns, those who identify uh, with no religion in particular. Many Christians today and many of the nuns feel that they don't really need church. They can get along without a pastor, worship without other church members, and just follow their hearts. And in this view, the institutionalized church is really a thing of the past. The gospel is a rather tired and worn-out message. Uh, so who needs the traditional traditionalism that the church represents? Well, there's an answer to this, too. Jesus refers to the church multiple times during the course of his ministry. Uh, when he spoke with his disciples, um, he called them to make use of the 
keys of the kingdom of heaven, and that is the authority to tell people that their sins have been forgiven or their sins have not forgiven on the basis of their words and their actions. Uh, Jesus also spoke of the church as an institution when he spoke to his disciples and told them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he told them, when you do this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, We also find that during the course of his lifetime, Jesus made it his habit to go to the synagogue, to be in the temple, to worship, to be a part of the church. And the New Testament church did the same thing. Uh, When the day of Pentecost came, the apostles, you might remember, were all gathered together in the same place. And uh, they made sure that they did uh, meet together and worship the Lord together. In Acts chapter 6, we see that there is a place there where the apostles uh, felt that uh, there needed to be some administration that was done in the New Testament church. And so they appointed elders to uh, take care of the administrative work of taking care of making sure that uh, the Greek widows were taken care of as much as the Jewish widows were taken care of there uh, too. And so they they, they simply relied on the structure of a New Testament, what we would today call a church, a church organization. So the post-church Jesus, uh, the one that feels that traditionalism in the church and uh, the structure of the church is no longer needed, uh, simply is not the Jesus of the scriptures either. There is one last Jesus for us to look at. This would be the best friend forever, Jesus, the BFF Jesus. He's the friend of sinners. He's lighthearted and he's fun. He's personable. He's uh, somebody who... Uh, loves to 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 uh, speak with individuals, and uh, he is totally unlike the coming judge of the Old Testament prophets. Well, uh, that the Old Testament prophets describe. Uh, well, we see that uh, if we read a little bit further into the scriptures, Jesus is not anything like that best friend uh, distortion of the scriptures. Jesus is the one who in John chapter 3 went ahead and talked about not just uh, God so loving the world that he gave his one and only son, but he continued by saying whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe does not uh, stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus Uh, did speak words of condemnation for those who are unbelievers. And we need to accept Jesus in order for us to be saved. Uh, Jesus was very firm in the beliefs and the teachings that he taught. In John chapter 6, the people started to to fall away from Jesus. They stopped following him because they were offended at his teaching that you needed to put your trust in him in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. Um, He said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And so Jesus said many things that people simply could not accept. Uh, One last uh, item that we discussed in our Bible study on Sunday morning was uh, the question of Jesus saying, do not judge 
or you too will be judged. Doesn't this mean that Christians have no business labeling any kind of action or teaching as a sin or as a false doctrine? And the answer is uh, clearly no. It, it, what it means is that we should not be involved in the uh, kind of judging that um, uh, sets ourselves up as being superior in some way to other people. Uh, we recognize as Christians that we're sinful too and we need a Savior just as well as anybody else. The point that Jesus is making is when you do make a judgment on somebody else's action or sin or teaching, recognize that uh, you too can fall, that you too are a sinful human being, that you have your own faults and flaws, and that we all are in need of a Savior. So in that sense, do not judge or you too will be judged. In fact, uh, I think the proof that this is the better understanding of that passage is that just uh, several verses later in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 15, Jesus there at that point uh, says that we are to watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. That kind of judgment is the kind of judgment we need to be made making. We are commanded to make the judgment that watches out for false teaching and then avoids being misled by false teaching. So that's a summary of our Bible study on Sunday morning uh, this past Sunday about different kinds of fake Jesuses. Uh, this week it was more on the, uh, on the progressive end of the spectrum. Next week we'll take a look at the more conservative end and where they may, there may be some fake Jesuses, the concept of a false Jesus floating around in our culture, in our society today. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What that means for us is that we need to be able to identify the Jesus of the scriptures, to put our trust in him. And when we do that, we will not go far astray. Uh, until next time, God's blessing to you and uh, keep on growing in God's word.